what what had started to happen by that point was um, the penny started to drop. And I started to realise that some of the guys that had been bunking off with me and all of that were still doing their coursework later on. So I'm thinking, oh, we're all in it together. No, we're not. You're in it by yourself. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. So welcome everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of Every L Podcast where every L is not a loss and we explore that notion by having conversations with various guests on. Today we have RP Falconer who is an amazing individual who is, I'm not even, I can't even express how amazing he is, I'm going to let him do it in a moment, but it's just one of those situations when you meet people in life that have accomplished things that you think, my gosh, I don't think I would ever be able to achieve it. When you have the chance to speak to him and ask him, what's happened behind the scenes? How, how was things growing up? What happened in your life that you thought was, you know, wasn't great? But looking back in hindsight, you realise, wow, without that, I wouldn't have been here. You take that opportunity and that's what I'm doing today. So without further ado, I'm going to ask Harpy to please come on and introduce yourself as you see fit and share what you want to. Um, and then we'll get into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for that uh, generous introduction. Uh, my name is R.P. Falconer. I am a father, brother, husband, um, author extraordinaire from London. And um, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Much appreciated. Do you like that? I, 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 I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. <laughs> I'm always happy to have guests on. To be, to be fair, that's what this platform's all about. It, it is, it isn't about me. It's just about the conversations. I think it's important that we share what we've gone through in life because there's a lot of us when we are down in the trenches and all we can see is darkness. Yeah, it's hard to remember. There's actually a light source that's casting the shadow in the first instance. And, we're, and when we're trying to look for the light, we sometimes give up and then we just stay in the darkness. But by hearing other people share their journeys from darkness to light will hopefully then inspire them to know that nothing about your situation tells you that your now is going to be your forever. So That's true. I just think having someone as, you know, as talented as yourself, so as dedicated to their craft as you, being able to share your journey, I think, will just inspire others. And if it's not that, then obviously your children can listen to it, other people's children. But it's, whoever it is that listens to it, I just want them to have life restored into them. And yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I get this is a passion project for me. This has been sitting on me for a couple of years now. So yeah, of course. Decide to do it, and yeah, I'm happy to have the guests that I do have on it. But let's let's jump into the L that you want to talk about. Um, let's get it up and it's and it's actually quite an interesting one because I can kind of resonate with it I ain't gonna divulge too much because that's for another day and you want to discuss failing all 
your GCSEs in high school, then going back to regain them. Now, can you just, before you go into that, can you, like, for me, that just tells me you went to school, didn't really pay attention or apply yourself as you could have done, maybe. I don't know, got distracted. I, I'm, a, I'm cheating a little bit because I've read a bit of your story anyway, but it's it, it, it feels very reminiscent of something I've gone through. But then to be able to fail them, I'm really interested to know how you felt. Because yes, I read the book. And for those that don't know, RP wrote a chapter in a book called Dad, uh, which is published or self-publicated by Music Football Fatherhood, um, curated by Elliot Ray. Fantastic book. 20 different dads giving us different stories um, and accountability of how they entered fatherhood and what their journey has been thus far. And RP talks about his his journey growing up, but there's obviously some intimate details around this section, which hasn't been covered. If anyone does want to buy that book, by the way, go to www.wearedad.co.uk, grab your copy. It's an Amazon, Waterstones, all them good bookshops and some independent ones as well. If you're um, abroad, We Are Dad is definitely the best place to grab it because they can send it to your abroad. There's no excuse for you not to get it. However, returning back to this point, I would like to know a little bit more about how was your approach to school? Did you not find it interesting? What was the reason why you failed, in your opinion? Um, school, like I, like I spoke about in Dad, um, my mother was very much work-focused as opposed to academia-focused. Um, she was a good mum and she worked all the hours God, she could, human, which was humanly possible. But when it came to things like homework and academia, it just wasn't her thing. So, I mean, the most she would ever ask me about is whether my homework was done. But she was so exhausted and tired. She just, there's no way she was going to kind of be spinning all the plates she was spinning and add that plate as well. She just kind of wanted to trust me with that. But I was too young to be trusted with my own education, like most children are, do you know what I mean? So for me, I respected my mum. But there wasn't a force at home that was kind of like pushing for me to be academically great. not because she didn't care, it's because she just didn't, it wasn't her thing. So I think when you don't have that, that let's say that force behind you, you're just a child. You're just going to go and just do what you want to do. Do you know what I mean? So for me, school was like just some one big massive hangout, place to go see my friends and chill out. And like I said in the book, I wasn't even a bad child. I wasn't a horrible child. I never like picked up chairs and chucked it across rooms. I had children like that in my class, um, some of them my friends. But I was just more more a um, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna make noise so you can just leave me alone. And you know, the teacher kind of starts to get wind of the sort of character you are, and um, she just kind of just realizes that oh. <clears throat> I'm not going to just waste time with him individually, but I'm not going to kick him out either because he's not actually causing a fracas or anything, fracas, whatever it is, like that. So, yeah, back to the question. It's just more a case of knowing that 
there was no one that was going to really pull me up about my day-to-day education at home, except for Parents' Day when, when you know, the shape, the shame is there and coming from a Jamaican household, you know, that, that's just not going to fly. But then it's just that maintenance, that day-to-day maintenance of education wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? And that's how that kind of kind of happened. So I found it quite interesting you saying that because there was a part you mentioned about that force because only now as a grown-up, I would like to say there's a there's a reason why I do what I do. Like this podcast I do is a passion project. Yeah. I, I, I'm surrounded by amazing individuals and thankfully you're one of them. And it's the case yeah. that if you if you was if you had people in your life, in your social circle, that was, oh mate, I need to get my grades done so I can yeah. get there or I can do this, uh-huh. potentially then you would have had the motivation to do it. Am I wrong? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like, like I've always said, if girls was a getting girls was a big focus of mine growing up, and as I've always said to my wife, if a girl, if girls' prime focus in a boy was them getting GCSEs and good grades, <laughs> my God, I'd come out with A stars. Do you know what I mean? If it wasn't about wow. the, tra- the trainers you're wearing and all of that, nothing much has changed now. But if if girls were to, um, <laughs> to, to shift their focus away from the way somebody looked or behaved, and they said, you know what? Have you seen Brian? Brian's got like five A stars. And, you know, I would have been like, oh, my God, I need to go and get five A stars. And that would have been a force that could have probably, you know, massaged me into, you know, being a bit more acad- academic in school. So, um yeah, so, yeah, if there were other influences around me, you know, I would have probably I'd probably done better. Now, I had it in me because I went back and got them. So it, it was always there. It was just somebody somebody giving me a reason to do it for, do you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I get that. So, so when is it that you stopped really trying or did you never really start? And by the way, for you listeners that are unfamiliar what GCSEs are, they are the qualification that we get when we go to high school over here, which is, I think, from age 11 to age 16. Um, we take them in, uh, we do mock exams it, when we're age 15, and then we do the actual exams when we turn 16, um, just before we decide whether we're going to go on to further education or whatnot. But I believe in this day and age, you can't leave school until you turn 18 anyway. Um, but yeah, just wanted to give that caveat for those of you that may not know what GCSEs are, um, what we got back then, and I say we because <laughs> we're very similar age, we got letters, so like A, B, C, those are like the grading system. So the A's, A stars, they were the top rank, and then you go all the way down to U's, which is just anyhow you got a U, don't tell your mum because that'll be your backside. Um, definitely don't tell your dad if your dad's around because <laughs> you ain't walking, you, you're you waddling for the rest of the week. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> But now they've got a system where it's done in numbers and the numbers don't make sense to me. I am not going to front. I'm that old that I don't care. There's just some numbers. I think people got bored and thought, oh, let's make it different. No, you're dumb. Um, but yeah, that was just me trying to clarify. Did you ever feel the desire to apply yourself or was it from straight away going to, to secondary school? You was all about just doing you. Um, it's so funny. I mean, at one point, there was a teacher called Miss Sims, and she was from Antigua or something like that. 
And um, thank God for Miss Sims because had it not been for her, I think at least 80% of the black boys in that school would have been kicked out, to be honest with you. And it would all have been me and my friends. But there was times where she kind of, remember, she was like a, a head school teacher. So it's not, it's not, you know, school just from RP. It's school for everybody. But there was times where she'd kind of home in on one or two individuals that she felt was falling off and say, listen, you know, you've got to get yourself together. And, you know, you do well for a little bit, but she can't keep that fire underneath you, like how your parents should be or your older siblings should be or whatever. So there were times where, especially when you first start, yeah, you are tuned in and you are thinking, yeah, let's let's see what this is all about. And then gradually you meet like-minded people <laughs> like yourself, um, the bunkers, the the trouble, the troublemakers, the guys that are just coming to school to do the stuff you're doing. And it's just easy. It's always easier to not do the right thing in it, no matter what you're doing. It's always easier to just do what you're not supposed to do because work is hard, but the results are great. You know what I'm saying? But um, it's always easier to just say, you know what? I'm not going to school. So yeah, what happened was, you know, you kind of get on track and then you start meeting people that are like-minded and that force starts to become greater than the force that keeps you in class. And then bus, leaving school with no GCSEs. Was there any classes or lessons in particular that you actually enjoyed and actually did put effort towards? Yeah, I did actually. Um, Spanish. Okay. I like Spanish. Um... And I think that was down to the teacher. She was really good. And I don't know. I don't know. I think she just kind of, the way she taught, the way she taught Spanish was, it appealed to me. And um, the thought, I think the idea of knowing another language really resonated with me. And I was just like, yeah, I like this. Um, so yeah, I'd always turn up for that class because I enjoyed that one. So was that the only class then that was doing it for you? Not even English? Nah, not interested. I was not interested in English at all. Um, It was just Spanish. I'd be consistent with Spanish and the rest of them, pick pick it out of a hat and see what happens. (laughs) That was literally it. To be fair, I'm starting to think the only reason you went to speak Spanish is because you just wanted to get some ladies. (laughs) <laughs> no, do you know what it is? I'm thinking now, thinking maybe because my name was Ronaldo. Yeah. And then she was fascinated with my name being Ronaldo. This is before Ronaldo was, well, that was old school Ronaldo anyway. R9. R9, right. The original and the best. Ooh. But um, my spot. Controversial. Absent. Come on, man. Come on. You know it. <laughs> you watch, we all watched that, those World Cups. And there was I know. But then how many goals has he scored, though? Come on. Okay, we're oh. in the medals, mate. How many, how many World Cups is um, um, CR7? How many, you know I, mean? I know, but then his trophy cabinet is quite stacked, let's be honest. He's, he's got... He's R9 got was before. injured, and he had a little issue with the old donuts. Yeah, and this one hasn't, ever. <laughs> 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 this yeah, one's a solid. All right, yeah. a little bit of a sweet tooth is all right. And this CR7 as, is disciplined <laughs> as anything. As like this, this guy just feels like a machine. Like that is, like going back to what you said about, you know, it's easy to do the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, he is the epitome of like, how do you stay so disciplined? 
and stay... It's sickening, isn't it? You look at him, what is he? He's 36, 37? Yeah. And you look at him, he's chiselled, he looks after himself, he still puts a shift in, and he still produces. And you're thinking, wow, if that's what you can achieve by putting in work, it might be worthwhile. Like you said, yeah. you know, hard work is hard, but the rewards are great. That's it. Simple as that. But I think if you don't have people like that in your life to look to, yeah, it can be very murky in terms of what your future would look like or what the outcome would be or the results would be. You're just going to think you're going to get jeered by your peers and this mocked. Yeah. And it's like, well, for why did I, why did I go without this sudden, this, this instantaneous gratification I'll get from the endorphins coming through from doing whatever it was yeah. to get ridiculed by my peers. I don't see the benefit of that. I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to get street cred. Yeah. That's the thing as well. I mean, it's fun. Being on, the, listen, a lot of these guys who sell drugs and stuff and all of that, I was never, I was never a drug dealer or, or anything like that. But I, I did have my my time where I was involved in in things, and it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to just do what you want because children, you think that's good for you. Well, you don't even think about that. You just you just do what you want to do. You know what I mean? And um. It's fun for people to look at you in a certain way. It's fun for, for girls to gravitate to you. It's fun for, you know, for you to be seen with certain people. It, it's just, it's attractive if you don't have that foundation at home, which lets you know that, yeah, it might look good now, but later on down the line, you are going to suffer. Yeah. Simple as that. I've got a son now. He wouldn't even dream of doing half the things I've, I've, I've done because I've done, I've done certain things. And now I know that I have to, ins- I have to be that force that's at home. Me and my wife have to be that force that I never had. Yeah. Uh, do you think part of the reason why when you was hanging out with those groups of people, it was so invigorating is because every other path you could have gone down, your mum's well and truly documented what you should do, what it looks like and so forth. Whereas you hanging out with these group of people was going off the grid. It was like instead of playing a game and sticking on, sticking to the, the linear path that you're meant to be going on, you've gone off the grid and you're able to do whatever you want to do. And the story can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I always straddled that line very closely. Um, I come, I have family members that are really criminals, like real criminals, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've always straddled that line between what my mother's wanting me to do and the effects of being in an area that I come from and having people around me that are not like me. I'm talking. I, I'm not a hardened criminal. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I've been and grown around people who are real. Really, this is their life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it was always going to go that way, in a in a sense. There's no one that can come off Church Road Estate or Stonebridge Estate or Broadwater Farm that doesn't get touched in some way by that area no matter what your mum says or does. Whether you are a victim, you're still getting touched by it. And it could, it could, that can manifest in you and make you do things later on in life that 
you probably wouldn't have done had you grown up somewhere with real prospect with real prospects or you could be the aggressor and that affects you as well or you could be that person that's me who's straddling two lanes who's not a terrible person but sometimes you you delve into those dark spaces as well you know yeah so to answer your question um it wasn't like a well, you know, I'm I'm just gonna go and defy my mum or whatever and that. It was a case of it's just the way it was, sort of thing. I can't even explain it. It's just the way it was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because she did her 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 force for education, like I said before, wasn't strong enough for me. Had she let for instance, say for instance, had she said, you know what, I'm getting you a tutor, I'm getting you a math tutor, English tutor, science tutor. Now I'm looking at her like, wow, this woman's she's actually really, really serious about me doing this this thing. And listen, I'm not saying she wasn't serious about me being serious in my life in terms of my academia. She just didn't know about the system. And she was spinning so many plates. She's a single mother with two kids on an estate, working two jobs. She's spinning, she's spinning loads of plates. She just doesn't have time for me to take up any more of her time. Do you know what I mean? Sort of thing, yeah. I think I've gone off. I think I've gone off on a tangent there. No, and sorry, I, Matt. Not at all. No apologies needed. And I think that's we we need we need to explore these. It's good to have conversation around what's going on in your head, especially when you look back at things in hindsight. Because at the time, you're just in the moment. You're just going through what you're going through. You're feeling what you're feeling. It's healthy to do that. Yeah. Looking back in hindsight, you can then see it and probably better articulate how you see things now and the things that you felt that you missed or would have required to be in a different situation or have a different outcome. Yeah. But if we go forward through that and you then was getting to the point where you was going to do your mock exams. Right. So this is before it hits the fan and it's real and it's, it's forever solidified as these are the grades that are yours. You do your mock. <laughs> these, these are the mocks. These are the preliminaries. This is where it's a matter of you get your chance to showcase where you're at. Are you going to be get a podium finish or are you just bringing in the rear? Right. How did you do on those? Matt, I don't even recall doing my mock exams. Wow, it was like that. I don't think I even turned up for them. Do you know what? It was so weird because even coursework, I didn't even know what coursework was. Because I'd literally be out of the class for like weeks on end. And then come back in and be like, okay, hand back your coursework. Hand in your coursework. I'm like, what's that? I was, listen, when I say I was disconnected from school, I mean I was disconnected. It was a place where I went to meet my friends and then from there, whoever was on bunking that day, I was off with them. Yeah. And that was it. That that was literally it. So I, did, I don't even recall doing my mock exams. I don't recall doing, I didn't do, I, I didn't even do any coursework, which was comical because I still turned up on, on the um, grades day expecting to have a grade. This is how disillusioned I was. <laughs> I still turn up thinking, well, what grade, what grade am I going to get? Thinking that someone's just going to provide me a grade. This was my attitude in life at, at 15, 16 years old. When you didn't do the mocks, as far as you could recall, did it not go back to your mum to say, yo, RP didn't get a grade because he's been absent? Mate, <laughs> I don't think she, she wouldn't even know what a mock exam was, mate. Wow. Okay, it's like that. Fair enough. I'm telling you, man. It's it was, it was, it was a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Her thing was, you need to work. I I work, and I'm showing you how 
you what you need to be doing in life. Her thing wasn't you need to work in school. It was you need to work. Yeah. Find a good job and work. And that's it. So you've done you <laughs> I say you've done. You've breezed past your mock exam period. <laughs> Coursework, not a thing. Nothing. All you do, you you hit up you hit up your school, meet your people, you bounce. Yep. You do it again the following day, the following week, right. the following month, next week. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Turn up to every single one of my exams. <laughs> exactly. I've turned up and I'm looking at these. Um, you could have, you might as well just written those papers in Dutch. I'm serious. I'm looking at these people. I'm like, literally, when I'm walking into those classes, teachers are literally like rolling their eyes, like, what the hell are you doing here? Wow. <laughs> because it's ridiculous. Like, why have you come? Even if you, even if I was to get, even if I was to ace that whole exam, I'm still getting an E because the coursework hasn't been done. Yeah, you know how it works. Like it's a combination of, you know, yearly over the course of a year learning and providing and showing. Yeah. Um, coupled with the final exam, and it all amalgamates to create one one uh one grade. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So. They're looking at me like, "What the hell are you doing here?" And I'm like, "I'm coming to take my, I'm taking take my GCSEs." What do you mean? And I, you know, when I look back, it's it's, it's cringy. Yeah, because it's silly. You know, it's just silly because I had it in me, and I just didn't have it in me at that time. Yeah. So when you looked at those papers and like you rocked up fully, I'm doing this. Was there a part of you that at at least at that point that you resented? that you didn't even try in classes? I tried, though. I went in the exam and actually tried. I'm yeah, talking head, head scratching everything, full three hours. Everybody yeah, but I'm, left. Saying, but I'm saying when you read the questions and yeah. other people were able to get on with it, was there yeah. a part of you that that point that you felt like, man, if I just went to like a few of the lessons, at least I'd know how to start answering this? Absolutely. Absolutely, because what what had started to happen by that point was um, the penny started to drop, and I started to realise that some of the guys that had been bunking off with me and all of that were still doing their coursework later on. So I'm thinking, oh, we're all in it together. No, we're not. You're in it by yourself. I'm still getting the GCSE. I can. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's when I started to realise, hold on, I've been had. Because I thought we were all going to be messed up together after this situation. But no, people still had, other boys still had a modicum of, nah, I still got to get something out of this for my mum. Or I didn't have that. So when I say, I think if you go back to that year in school, I've literally, I think I I must have, bar the people who were probably like refugees who couldn't speak English, I think I've probably done worse than them. To be fair, they probably had a translated form over your one. So, um, not to make you feel worse. No disrespect to anyone, any refugees or anything like that. I'm just saying, if they had a translated version of it, then they might still say, oh, I understand that now. Whereas, if because yeah. you've just been absent the whole time, yeah, you're just thinking, this is a hieroglyph to me right now. Like, really? Yeah, I had no idea. I was just sat there. So, you've done, you've, you've gone through the painstaking three hours multiple times because there's multiple lessons that you would have yeah 
So what is it, 11? What it is, Matt, you got to understand is that the gang is now doing their GCSEs. And I can't, yeah. I'm not gallivanting by myself. So now I need to be able to get the gangs doing GCSEs. So I'm, I'm going to be doing GCSEs too. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes no sense. You do it, I'll do it, we do it. Yeah, we're all in it together. But there were, uh, we, I wasn't. Yeah. We weren't all in it together because I was the odd one out. And I left it. Them, look, them guys still got something. You know, C here, D there. I left with absolutely nothing at all. So what grades did you finish on then? If you don't mind me sharing. I think I've got a few G's. I think you get that for just writing the name, innit? <sighs> I wish I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've got a few U's. Unclassified. Just They must have thought, this guy. When I think back, they must have thought, who is this person? Because like I said, I wasn't a rude child. I wasn't, as we say in Jamaican language, patois, a feisty child. You understand? Yeah. I was either absent or present but absent. I wasn't disrupting the class. I wasn't making a fuss. And I think that's the only reason why I actually made it through the made it through to the last year of school, even though I wasn't actually doing anything because I wasn't actually causing them any grief. So they just thought, well, at least if he's got something to come to every day, he's not out there all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. I've gone off on a tangent. Um, what was it again? I was happy to let you finish the thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a case of um, I left there with just G's and U's. Nothing, man. Nothing at all. So when you finished with those grades, well, no, no. Obviously, you didn't know it's great. You finished, you finished your exam, right? Yeah. Three hours of an exam, approximately done 11 times over the difficult class you had to do. Yeah. You've now got that little summer break. Well, it's a couple months, what is it, from June, yes. July, August, end of August rolls around. Yeah. You go to go get your grades. How are you feeling at that point? I'm going to get my grades and I'm thinking I'm going to get something. This is this is how delusional I was. Is your mum with you? No, my mum my was at work. So, 18 bus, Harrow Road, due for Paddington, got off the bus, you and your own clothes them times there. Rocked up. And this, this, this point... What I'm about to tell you now is probably one of the most important points in my life in terms of understanding how important it is to work when you need to and get your head down. Yeah. So, got off the bus. All of our grades are plastered on this massive board outside the school school gate. And um, I got up there and this one girl stood there and her name is Patricia. Patricia, if you ever hear this, thank you. So, I... I walk up to her and she's in she's in tears. She's crying. And I look at my grades and I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked. Wow, how can I be getting a U's and G's and all that? So I've looked across to her grades and she's got like B's and A's and stuff. So I've put my arm around her and I said, P, what's wrong with you, man? Why are you crying for? I said, I said, your grades are, are brilliant. They're good enough. She turned to me. This is a 16-year-old girl. She turned to me and said, no, Ronaldo. Those grades are good enough for people like you. And that cut me like a knife. That cut through my soul, man. Like, you know when somebody says you have that moment of clarity? Yeah. And it's just like, what the hell have I done to my life?
moment of absolute clarity. And I remember thinking to myself, everybody's being cast and whatnot. But her honest her honest take on, on what she thought of somebody like me, that that went through me, man. And I was like, whoa. And it's at that point I learned about standards with like self-standards in terms of your academia. You know, someone like her who's getting A's and B's is not satisfied because that wasn't good enough for her. She wants to be a doctor. She wants to go on to do this and that. She has high, high aspirations for herself. And I'm there with my, 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 my U's and my G's. And I'm thinking to myself, this, this can't get any worse. So yeah, that was, that was, that was a pivotal moment for me. And then mum's reaction when she saw the grades. So after I've collected my grades, I, I didn't, I didn't even hang around to see anybody else. I just started walking back home and I think I walked all the way home with just me and my thoughts. And I thought, wow, I've got to do something about this. Got home, mum's like, what did you get? What grade did you get? You know, where's the paper? Where's the sheet? Because all of her friends are calling each other saying, oh, you know, Jerome's got this and Matthew's got that. And then you know how it is with mums. Yeah. She's like, what did you get? What did you get sort of thing? So <laughs> I've reluctantly pulled out this sheet, given it to her. She's taken about five minutes to look into it. And she's saying, you know, this can't be right. This, this can't be, this can't be right. Are you, what's, what's going on here sort of thing? And I'm like, it is what it is. I've never heard my mum cry like that in my life. Never, I swear to you. I've never heard my mum cry like that. And I've seen my mum cry before. That cry was from her soul. It was from the pit of her stomach. And she would, it, it was a cry of regret. Yeah. You know, it was a cry of absolute regret. She just said, go to your room. I'll be, I'll come and see you soon. At that, at that point, I'm too big to be beaten. I've been, I've, that's happened already. You know what I mean? This wasn't about that. This was, this was, this was, a beating is like once, once you, once you beat the child, not that we do that nowadays, but you know how it was back in the day. That means what you've done has been atoned for at the end of that, that beat, that, that beating. This was long. My mum's my basically looked 30 years into the future and said, my son isn't going to amount to anything. You know what I mean? And that's where that pain has come from. Me now being a father, knowing that if I think about my children bringing me those sorts of grades, I'd be worried as well. And I think it, this came from a place of worry. So yeah, I've been sent upstairs and um, yeah, I hear her on the phone talking to my auntie and I just knew, I said, wow, I'm in some deep, deep trouble here, man. And that was basically her reaction. The next day, the next day, uh, no, about two hours later, two, three hours later, she's come upstairs. She said, you got three options. You either go back and get your GCSEs, go and find a job or get out of my house because you're not going to turn into a drug dealer under this roof. And needless to say, I said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go back and get my GCSEs. And that was her, her complete reaction, basically, and conclusion to that. That, that. It's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah. And, you know, thanks for sharing that because I can only imagine how heavy that was. Yeah. How did you feel when you heard your mum cry like that from the soul? And as you articulate it, being from her soul. Yeah, that was hard, man. That was hard. That was tough. That was tough, man. I mean, to know that you are the catalyst for that. 
you know what I mean? To inflict that level of pain on somebody who's who's put their trust in you, but who shouldn't really have put their trust in you anyway, when you really think about it, to do the right thing. Um, somebody who just said, all lives, all I've ever said is, just go to school, do well, and I'll have, uh, you know, you ain't got to worry about any money, anything you need, I'll get it for you. Um, somebody whose requests were basically for you to just do good for yourself. And you turn around and, and provide those sorts of grades. That was hurtful for me, man. That was very hurtful for me. So now that's happened, mum's giving an ultimatum. You decide you're going to go back and get your grades. Yeah. Was that moment the force that you required to then succeed? Oh, yeah. That was like chucking a match on a barrel of petrol. Um I'd never, like I said, that the whole clarity thing has started from Patricia. Coming home to my mum and getting that reaction there was the, the icing on the cake. The thing is, she'd normally scream, shout and carry on. The way she said that gave me those three options was so cold and deadpan. I, like, there's a saying, there's a saying that I've, I've learned recently. And it says, a person that leaves an argument in anger will always return. But a person that leaves an argument with a smile will never come back. Yeah. She wasn't displaying any signs of anger. She was tired. She was just tired. And when a person gets tired, you need to be careful because they really mean what, what they say they're going to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what, that's what she was showing me. She was showing me that face. And it was like, I'm prepared to put you out if I have to. Because what happens to boys like me, normally what, what normally happens to boys like me is I go to a prue. Like, you know what a prue is? Nope. So basically, that's a school for like delinquent kids. Uh, I shouldn't have even got to the end of my my year and done my GCSEs because halfway through my school career, I should have gone to approve for children that are just not not meeting the standards of the school. Yeah. But because of Miss Sims, she knows she knows what happens to boys that go into approves. They meet other boys that are even worse than them, and then they become worse than them. So she her objective was at least if he's not going to learn, keep him in a normal school. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, what was the point I was trying to make? Sorry, Matt. I go off on tangents and come back. I'm a better writer than I'm a talker, man. That's fine. It was talking about the driving force. Um, Obviously, after your mum was doing that, did that give you the force that you required to go out and achieve what you could? What I would actually ask you is, from what you've told me, it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like mum was upset because you had the control of your own future. That's right. And you threw it away. You just yeah. went full cruise control, didn't care. Patricia was aware yep. from earlier on mm-hmm. that she had control over her future. Yeah. Hence why she was so upset. That's right. Do you think that you just wasn't aware that you had the control in your life at a younger age? 100% until after you went through this process in life and then you thought, oh, okay, I can do this. Because how did it, how did it go with when you did do it and you were succeeding, how did you feel about getting the good grades that you was getting, thinking you could have potentially done this the first time around? Mate, that was like, that was like breathing after holding your breath. That's how it felt to me. It was a deep breath after not being able to breathe. So if somebody could 
somebody holds you underwater or somebody says hold your breath for as long as you can and then you release it and then you start to breathe again that's how it felt to me yeah i, I felt alive like when i finally went back to college which were jumping a bit but when i finally left you know i went to maidavell college in westminster and that was a phenomenal feeling you know being able to finally show my mum you know i'm not stupid it's just i wasn't didn't have the force behind me in front or beside me i was just left in control of my own destiny as a child and i shouldn't have been no child should be left in control of their own destiny so at that point what would you say that you got from that experience if you're saying that the L that you experienced was failing your GCSEs. What did you get from that? What what was why is that not a loss in this instance? What was it? Because it shaped the way I look at my life today, the way I approach things in my life today. It's not about, for instance, my son plays football, and I say you don't lose, man. You just learn. You know, you don't lose in life, man. Yeah, you can't lose until you're dead. You just learn. You know, you, you take the, the lesson, you say, right, that that didn't go well. What have I learned from it? And how can I avoid doing it again? So I just applied that, applied those those rules from there. I, at the time, I didn't know the saying, but that's pretty much how I felt. Like, I've learned from that, and I'm going to come back even stronger. And that's what I did. You know, I went to Maidaville College. And uh, it was funny because I went to Maidenville College um, with my NRA folder. Do you know what that is? No. Right, okay. So NRA folder was like a a burgundy folder that used to carry around with you to like job interviews and whatnot. Okay. And um, other places of education to, to, to show you what you'd achieved in school. Okay. So my, my is just pure blank pages. Do you know what I mean? I think I have my... 10, 10 oh. meters swimming certificate in there. I I've done that, my length. I done my width. Was, that was here's my cycling proficiency <laughs> test. <laughs> That's all I had to show from primary school right up to secondary school. But anyway, um, so I've gone to Maidenville College, and there's a guy there called Michael. He was a course coordinator. Is it a coordinator or administer administrator or whatever it was? Anyway. So he was sat at one of the desks and I've gone there and I've said, listen, I want to retake my GCSEs. He said, right, cool. Show us your grades. No, first of all, I went back to high school and I said, I want to go to sixth form and retake GCSEs. Laughed me out the door. He said, there's no way you're coming back. We just got rid of you. We're not going to let you back in here. Mr. Morton, he wasn't having any of it. So anyway, so I've gone to Maidenville College after that and I'm um, rocked up there and I've said to him, listen, I need to retake my GCSEs. And he said, he said, well, give us your grades now. I said, I showed him, he showed, I showed him my grades. And he, he's like, there's no way we can allow you to do it. I said, why not? He goes, because you need four Ds at least to retake. So I'm like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, come on, man. You, you can't tell me at 16 years old, my life is over. I can't get GCSEs now. He's like, yeah, but you, there's other things you can do. You can do GMVQ. I was like, no, nah, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. I'm not doing GMEQ. I'm not doing no BTEC nonsense. I want my GCSEs. In actual fact, my mum wanted those GCSEs and I'm getting it. That's the attitude I had. So I went home that day. I was in my bed and I said, nah, I'm not, not having it. And I wanted to go to Maidenville College because it was a very, very good college. 
went back the next day, approached um, Michael again. I said, listen, there's got to be another way that I can, I can, you know, retake my GCSEs. There's got to be another way. He said, Ronaldo, listen, mate, you cannot retake with four Ds. I can give you a perspective and you can go and see the courses you can do. So anyway, went home again. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I need to consider these GMVQs and all of this because yada, yada, yada. Remember, all my mum knows about GCSE. So if I start giving her GMVQ, BNVQ, she's going to think, what kind of people is this bringing me? There's some, some... That's not what I sent you out to go and get. I never yeah. sent you to go that. I sent you to go get GCSEs. So I said, nah, mate. Going back again. Third day lucky. I said, you know, God loves a trier. Gone back down to Maidenville College again. When I walked into that hall, Michael looked across and he burst out laughing. He just burst out laughing. He said, come here. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I want to take my GCSEs again. I'm not going to take no for an answer. And he said, because you are persistent. I said, I, I know. This is the conversation we had. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I said, I know. And I want my GCSEs. And I, I need them. My mum needs them. And when I said that to him, he just looked at me and he said, are you willing to work hard? I said, I'm willing to work hard, man. I said, I'm sure, I'm, I'm telling you. He goes, because those grades, he goes, those grades are normally, we just wouldn't even fart on them grades. And I was like, listen, mate, there must be another way. He goes, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. He's gone away, asked another teacher. And apparently there are entry exams that you can take to see whether you just had a very bad school career, but you still had the ability to do the GCSEs. So it was an exam in maths and it was an exam in English. He said, if you pass these two exams, I'll put you back on, I'll put you in the um, retakes for GCSEs. So I was like, all right, cool. Done the maths. I was never good at maths. And I, to this day, I believe I failed that. I, I believe I failed that maths exam. I honestly believe I failed that exam, the entry exam. English, eh, could have passed it. I'm not too sure. But anyway, he's come up to me and he's, I've taken the exam the next day and he said, right, you've passed. Didn't give me any paperwork though. When I think about it now, he didn't give me any paperwork. So I think he's just passed me anyway. He's, he's had a heart. Do you know what I mean? You know, big respect to him for that. Math, enough respect to him for that. Anyway, so I've gone on to do my GCSEs and I've got a C in English Lit, a C in English Language, a C in English Literature, B in Sociology, a D, a D in History and a D in Maths. So I had it all along. I had it. It was just that that force wasn't there. But my mum's pain became my force, my driving force. You know, her pain became her, my driving force. From and, and that's how it went down. And from there, I went on to college, uh, studied media tech there. And then it was like, what, why not university? Kings, I went to Kingston University after that and uh, completed a, a BS. BSc 
in media technology there as well. So, you know, like I said, you know, my stories, my story, I'd like to think is quite, quite um, unique in a certain way. Because I've kind of come all the way from potentially going out into the road and really pulled it back around at the last minute. I've gone on to be very academic and then on to become a writer, uh, which many people say I'm good at. So You are indeed. Yeah. So, you know, it's... So if you could go back in time to, you know, when you were just doing the maddest thing, going gallivanting and whatnot, what would you have told yourself? Yeah, knowing now what you could tell yourself then, that made sense in my head. Do you know what I find so fascinating about my younger self? I find what I find so fascinating is that all of the all of the red flags that were in place. I'm not a stupid person. I, I still think I'm. I regard myself as quite a perceptive person, self self perception and situational perceptional person. That's not a natural term. I've coined <laughs> it today, um, but I'm quite good at looking at things regarding myself and looking at situations and understand consequences and yeah consequences and what can lead on from bad situations and on two occasions whilst i was getting involved in some stuff i I've had guns pulled on me twice i've gun pulled on me twice and i've almost been being stabbed as well and um those red flags were there they were there get off the road man stop trying to do it. this isn't for you yeah do you know what I mean? So if I could go back in time, I'd, I'd be like, you want to end up in a box? Or you want to, you know what I mean? You can't see that these, these things are happening. These things are telling you that yeah. you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. And if you just plan a little from now, your life could be glorious in the future. Because I'll tell you one thing, yeah? Me and my friends used to go Oxford Street, go Probito. And there's a shop called Probito back in the day. They sell like Iceberg, Moschino, Versace, all of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, JD Sports, you go and buy like 110 trainers. We used to call the Nike Max 110s or 120s, depicting, you know, like in reference to their price as opposed to what their actual name was. And one day we've all come back from Oxford Street with all of our clothes and our trainers because that was really important. And I say that with inverted commas. Um, and I've come back to my friend's dad ha- dad's house and we're sat in, his, in, in my friend's room listening to music and kind of just you know, chilling out, doing whatever. We're, we're like 16, 15, 16. My friend's dad come in and he said, you not spend all your money on trainers and designer clothes. Imagine you took all your money, put it together and got a deposit together. This is back in 1997, yeah? Think about how cheap houses were back then. Dirt cheap. Get a deposit together, buy a house, buy a spot with one flat, and I'll help you. And I looked at my friends and like he was an absolute nutcase. I'm like, mate, we talk about buying a house. I'm 17 years old. What are you talking about? Do you know what I mean? Sort of thing. So these are, you know, there were there was there were people there that was trying to give us the give me in particular the you know give me the right way to go. But child, man, you don't listen to anything. So yeah, even even I'd go back to that point there and I'd just grab myself, run it. We could have been flipping, uh, by now we could have had, think of the portfolio we would have had from 1997 if you'd literally started buying houses then. Life would look very different. It would all be different. Probably wouldn't be talking to you now, Matt. True, so. Probably be my yacht. 
You know what I mean? Saint-Tropez. I'm surprised I could reach at you as it stands <laughs> right now. So I definitely I wouldn't be able to catch you then. You'd be out there with Elon Musk and then once. <laughs> so, yeah, man. That's what I'd do. You know, I'd go back and just and make sure that, you know, those red flags weren't ignored. And I think it's important that we highlight the fact that these things are visible to us. Um, I, I read a book, well, audio book anyway, and it talks about the conscious mind. And it makes a point that although we can see we're not focused on everything. And I think when you're living in a situation, it's so easy to just see what you see, but you're not focused on what you should be yeah. focused on because it's really hard to see what's going on because you're, you're ravaged by emotions and you're just living off feelings. And it's not a bad thing at times, but you need to obviously have a healthy balance of having your heart take control and your mind takes the control every now and again, just to make sure you're reading the situation accurately i'm going to go back a, a little further but you did mention something about obviously being a loser like there's lessons and you know you only lose if you die i would challenge that and say that sometimes you just completed life <laughs> your journey and you haven't lost you just you just you know you've just come to your completion your end cycle yeah, yeah and also there's a phrase that says you learn more from losses than you do from victories and if you always had a good life 100%. always had things handed to you and you know, if you touch turn to gold, yeah. When things go left instead of going right, you're gonna be caught blindsided and won't know how to deal with it. And that's why, as much as I love my son, I kind of need him to get the scrapes and bumps and stuff now, hundred percent, so I can help him with it. Because when he gets older, yeah, let's say he's twenty three, twenty four, and my guys lighting it up at work, just being that Mister Amazing individual. People are not going to like him, and I won't be in a position to be able to help you with that because if them man want to tump you, you got to hold it down and deal with that because I ain't going to jail right now. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so I need you to learn that people are not going to say not like you because you're not a nice person. They're not going to like you because other people like you or love you, and they're going to be begrudging that. So I, so I think it's important that sometimes we are going to go through these things and you've clearly explained how the journey in terms of like you are in an amazing place right now but where you was in terms of your grades the ability you had the responsibility so you had to carve out the future for yourself that you deserve and you unfortunately was a bit reckless with it as was I when I was younger I'm not gonna lie but you were able to redeem yourself because you had that eureka moment the penny dropped when you saw your mother cry and it came from her soul that was the catalyst for when you when you finally connected those dots and realized what Patricia said, coupled with this, meant that I had it yeah. all in my control yeah. and I dashed it in the bin. That's right. And I think that's important for people to hear. That's right. I mean, I want to say something to the point you made about your son um, having to build resilience. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and we, we were just having a, a general conversation and we go into the topic of just that really a lot of children are being brought up with a lot of privilege and it's very dangerous to give children everything that they desire because i think you've got to find a way for them to build a little bit of resilience or when they become adults it can be dangerous for them for their mental yeah. and their spiritual health because you're going to get you're going to get knocked in life man no matter what happens there's going to be a knock you're going to get knocked off your trajectory there's going to be people that don't like you yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you've got to learn how to be able to deal with that. You know? So, 
not to say you should send your child out into the into the wilderness with a knife and bring back a, a skin bear and all that sort of stuff, but you've got to find some way of them building some sort of resilience, you know, because life is not easy. My desire is that people understand that not every L is a loss. And that's the whole idea behind every L podcast. We are holding ourselves together with staples, with glue, with blue tack, with <laughs> no more nails or whatever it is. But we're all going through our struggles. We've all been through that, some certain struggles in life. And there's another phrase that says, you'll never meet a strong person who's had an easy past. And I stand true to that. I, I think that a lot of us just need to understand that nothing about our current situation will show us that where we're going to be. You know, you look at a caterpillar, a caterpillar shows has no sign of showing you that's going to be a butterfly. And that's the case with our situation. So we just need to hold firm that's right. and just recognize that we have the potential 100%. to be in a better place than we currently are. Life's all about peaks and troughs. It's no different to riding a bike. The only time you fall off is when you stop moving and you just got to keep going. Momentum, man. But make sure you try and go in the right direction and watch out, watch for the red flies. So what I'm going to do um, is get into the part where we're going to conclude, but I want you to shamelessly plug you, what's going on, your social so people can reach out to you because yes. I think a lot of people want to keep in contact with you. Yeah. Um, like I said before, I'm an author. Um and like you alluded to, I wrote chapter two in the book, Dad, where I talk more in-depthly about uh, my childhood growing up without a dad and how it affected my parenting today. Um, I'm also a fictional writer and I have a book called The Sweat, which is out now. It's, a, it's part one of a three-part series. And it's about a it's about a virus that um, infects London's population, a large section of UK's population, like two thirds, and it's centered around this uh, this Black British family who are now trying to survive in a sort of dystopian London and get out to Brighton where they promise a bit of salvation. And it's a very different take on survival drama. And I don't call it horror because it's not really horror. It's more of a survival drama. And it just kind of, um, it looks at survival from a black British perspective as opposed to the perspective we normally get, which is uh, told from a very European lens, you know. So, you know, just because the world's in our dystopia, in, in the dystopian setting, doesn't mean that racism goes away or homophobia goes away or sexism goes away. And do you know what I mean? So all of these things get explored within my book. And it's more its more like a coming of age because it's based around this, this girl, mostly about this girl and her dad trying to find um, her mum and her brother after they get split. So they're together for a while. They eventually get split. And it's all about her growth her and her father's growth and how they go from being doing things that they would never thought they would have to do in normal times, in peace times, I, I would say, and um, how they kind of evolve into being these real badass characters and then uh, and that sort of thing. 
So yeah, it's more than a zombie book. I know that the the cover looks like that, but it's not. It's really quite in depth and it's really quite profound, actually. I have no doubt because your work has been class and you know and rightly praised. So if anyone's interested, please follow Falconer. He will have RP Falconer. That was quite rude to apologise. Um, I will put the socials in the show notes or feel free to share them now. So if anyone's listening, they want to follow you, where are they going? So that's at RP Falconer on Instagram, at RP Falconer on Twitter, at RP Falconer on Facebook. So yeah, so it's at RP Falconer. Well, much appreciated for that. And thank you very much for your time. I truly appreciate you sharing. Oh, we're brothers, man. We're, we're, we're stable mates, man. We're Indeed. We're in the same spot. But Matt, I just want to say, like I've, I've expressed to you before, you're a very good interviewer. And I'll tell you how I know that. Uh, you make oh. it feel as if it's just me and you here. And you make me forget that this might go out to thousands upon thousands of people because I know that this podcast is going to take off. It's going to be amazing, especially with you at the helm. And um, you've got a very good radio manner. Is that what I want to say? For want of a better phrase or better word. So, yeah, you just keep keep being great, man. Keep being great, Matt. Thank you. you. I try. I try. It's going to be fantastic, man. Thanks for having me. Well, that's going to be clipped up and held and put it in front of every single episode going forward from now. So um, <laughs> that goes without saying. But no, thank you very much. As I said, do... give me my ten pound later. Yeah. Give me my ten pound later, mate. Only ten, mate. I'm sure you just build me with like a few more zeros on the back of that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as I said, this this isn't for me. This is for other people. I just I want it to I be know, a nice hub for people to, yeah. you know, whether it be your children, my children, anyone's children, just to have. Yeah a place where they know that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's okay to have those wobbly moments because we all have them, but just know that your, your now is not your forever. And that is so important. That's right. And also on the other end of the spectrum, yeah, you might be in a good place now, but just to understand you have the capability of things going the other way, just prepare yourself for it. Very quickly. But if you're in a place where you're not so great, don't worry about it. a lot of us, if not all of us have been through that and how we dealt with it is going to be in different ways. We can't tell you how to do it. We can just tell you to you, just try and navigate it safely and as healthily as possible. You can come out the other side. And when you do, you'll be all the better for it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to leave it there and just say that thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for the listeners listening to this. I'm hoping that this will get more and more traction as time goes on. But to everyone, just remember, not every L is a loss. And nothing about your situation now says that it can't be something better. Your now is not your forever. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your attention. And please share, like, rate, and just get the word out there. Because we can have more and more stories. Peace out, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. Every L.